Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. everyone. In this week's episode, we talk about one of the most requested topics I've received since I started this podcast. It seems that every week I get messages and emails asking for advice about it. Not only do I get questions about how to get one, but also if individuals are getting the most out of one. If you haven't been able to guess already, this episode we're going to be discussing apprenticeships. We sit down and have a discussion with my longtime friend Jeff Saunders, of Gamma Piercing in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Jeff was a perfect choice for this episode. His many years as a shop owner, training several apprentices, and helping to develop things within the Association of Professional Piercers has made him a wealth of information on the topic. In addition to that, his body piercing blog, piercingnerd.com, had a well-written description about what an individual, such as himself, looks for in an apprentice, covering things such as training, attributes, and the such. Jeff and I go over this and what we both find desirable in potential apprentices. We also discuss other difficult-to-discuss aspects for those already with apprenticeships, such as is the apprenticeship worth your time and energy, and should you just start over? So without further ado, listen in as we talk about the attributes the industry looks for in apprentices, why Instagram messages are the worst form of communication, and what things you should look for in a good teacher. here and talk about all this stuff forever um so jeff uh we're gonna start why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself uh my name is jeff saunders i'm from ann arbor michigan i own a shop with my wife called gamma piercing uh i got my start in providence rhode island at a shop called rockstar uh i owned that and i sold it to my apprentice peter jet a few years ago we relocated here when we started a family um, over the years, done a lot of education uh, in terms of both getting and uh, administering education. Uh, I teach for the Fakir intensives. Uh, I teach for the APP at most conferences. Um, and I've taught at uh, GEP in Brazil, uh, LBP in Mexico, UK APP. And I've done in uh, the UK and I've done uh, my own classes in Canada and Scotland. You actually gave me the perfect segue here to uh, discuss what we're talking about tonight. Uh, So I wanted to give everyone a chance to kind of cool down from conference and kind of like let everything digest instead of like dropping an episode that could have people talking about something else. Because we obviously know after conference, our heads are pretty much swimming with like all these different ideas and thoughts and we're kind of self-reflecting. And um I remember when I went to conference the first time and I was actually an apprentice at that time 
And one of the things that bothered me is I felt as if after going to conference that maybe my apprenticeship was not the best situation and I really wasn't learning as much as I could in the setting that I was in. Uh, so what we're going to do today is uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about the big taboo topic for many piercers, and that's going to be apprenticeships. And one of the things that I just want to present to our audience here is the reason why I had Jeff come on is Jeff has in the past written some very good articles on his website, which we'll link in this week's show notes about apprenticeships themselves. Uh, Jeff is also a really good source for this topic because he will answer any questions that you go ahead and ask from him and anything among those lines. Uh, so we're going to kind of break today's conversation into three different parts. We're going to go ahead and uh, do the first part now, which is basically why would any piercer apprentice someone? So I want to just take this time to have you go ahead and talk a little bit, Jeff, about what are some of the pros and cons and why would you ever want to apprentice someone? Why don't you go ahead and give us your unique perspective on that? And then I'll chime in as you go. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I think training another piercer is... Uh, if you're looking for exclusively what you'll get out of it, it's probably not the thing you want to do, but uh, you do get an awful lot out of it. Um, one of the things that uh, I'm interested in is how people learn. Uh, and one of the best ways to learn is to teach somebody else the skill. Um, so in the end, by being a good mentor to an apprentice, you actually become a better piercer. So, it, it that's really cool, right? In, in that in the process of uh, uh, giving somebody a career, you make yourself a better piercer. That's really exciting to me, and I uh, I, I found it to be true. I think each apprenticeship that I uh, I've done, uh, and I've done, I've, over the years, I, I've actually trained seven piercers. Uh, I've gotten better each time. Um, and then when I went through the process of helping to write the APP's suggested guideline and curriculum, um, I feel like my apprenticeships got better, which made me a better mentor, which made me a better piercer. So it's sort of this really positive feedback loop. Uh, so that's one of the best reasons I think you could ever pick to train a new piercer. There's some real practical reasons too. Like, hey, uh, I need another piercer at the shop, and I want them sort of uh, to have grown up in the culture of my shop. I think a lot of us find our our, our shop cultures to be really special, uh, and I, I think there's probably no better way than to have somebody brought up in the culture of the shop than to have started at uh, the counter and. Uh, apprenticed or trained and then got themselves to peers uh, to become a piercer all within that one shop. Um, you really get sort of a refined version of the, the culture uh, of the shop that you're trying to uh, cultivate. And then I, I think the, the final reason is that it, you're probably not going to pierce forever. Right. I think uh, if you think that this is a career you're going to do into your seventies and, that's that's when you'll retire. I think you're probably mistaken. Um, so helping to train the next generation of piercer. My guess is that if you're a piercer, you probably I don't want, I don't want to say probably. You may feel like 
you have uh, a special perspective on both the culture and the industry, and you have things that are special to you that you want to pass on. Um, and uh, you're probably not going to do that by writing comments on Facebook. Like maybe you will, right? That it's possible, but by working with another person and sort of explaining what's what you think is sort of special or magical about piercing, I think uh, that's one of the things that you'll get out of uh, out of an apprenticeship is by training another piercer is that you've communicated what's special to you to another person. Now, I can't say that every person hears that, uh, but I've seen it firsthand working with the care intensives. And I can tell you a lot of people were deeply touched by the cures message. And uh, I think that was uh, one of the most important things to him. It wasn't just that people left and could pierce a straight septum. And I can guarantee you that was important to him. But uh, it was also that they understood what he felt was magical and special about piercing and for him that was the spirit that was that was the most essential thing about piercing to him maybe you think the most important thing is health and safety and you can pass that on that's special too uh, so you get a lot out of that by passing it on yeah i really feel that that's something that a lot of people don't touch down on in this conversation i am going to be playing the devil's advocate quite a bit and bring up a lot of the things that we commonly hear in this industry when it, in regards to apprenticeships but on honest to goodness i i feel a lot of people kind of have a natural progression with their careers and it's very interesting to see how things are going because our industry is so young uh we haven't really established a uh a common timeline of we start here, we end here, because there's a lot of variation in between. Some people feel like they want to pass things on, like you stated, and then other people feel like it's possibly a natural progression for them where they're like, I've hit this point. I feel like I need to – how do I put this lovingly, Jeff? Uh, I They kind of feel like they need to uh, get the credit for creating something, someone new in the industry sure, uh, yeah. to cement their legitimacy, you know? Yeah. And I, I think uh, I'm of the opinion that it's, it's never all of one and none of the other. Right. I, I, I'm definitely into the shades of gray in that. I think it is okay to say, I think it's important to pass on vital information. And I think it's also okay to say, and it would feel really good personally and professionally to have done that. Um, and I don't, I don't see a negative in it. Yeah. I, I, I don't want to, you know, delegitimize that statement. It, it kind of feels amazing to have someone that you feel has learned what you can teach and you kind of see them develop into their own person and gain new skills and they may be better at this than you are at that and so on and so forth. Um, that, style uh, is very similar to funeral directing. And I know that's a really crazy thing to talk about, but um, you have to do a residency, which is almost very similar to an apprenticeship because they just kind of stick you in the embalming room. So it is very trade. I'm going to learn muscle memory and so on and so forth. So it's, I have unfortunately been put into a bad situation one time where I had to, and I'm doing heavy air quotes, apprentice someone for body piercing, but I've helped uh, 
I think like three or four people uh, from going from nothing to funeral directors. So um, I definitely understand the point that you're making with people feeling accomplished when they get to see their, their baby grow. Is that a good way of putting it? <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's fulfilling and there's nothing wrong with it being fulfilling. Like I think, uh, I, I think if you were doing it to just tick a box, then you have to take a step back and say like, is this, is this my, the extent of my motivation? Because maybe if that's the only motivation you've got for it, you're not going to put your all into the prospect. But I think, you know, you, your experience with uh, uh, funeral directing, you probably feel pretty proud of the fact that you helped develop three funeral directors, right? Like that's, that's a cool thing. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing, but it is kind of neat. But um, there there's a lot of things uh, that I'm just going to bring up too, and and maybe you'd like to address them. It it seems like a lot of apprenticeships that we see, and we're going to get into this in a little bit, but um, may possibly be done by piercers for the wrong reasons, such as uh, financial. And also for having someone to just do what I'm going to describe as grunt work, which is a lot of the things that they don't want to do, but they want to either demoralize or have someone, unfortunately, like do those jobs so they don't have to. Sure. Yeah. Uh, 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 Victoria Rothman and I did this class conference and uh, one of the things that we discussed was, you know, motivations for uh, being a mentor and, and training people. I mean, if, if your motivation is solely free labor, uh, that uh, I, I would consider that poor motivation. Uh, and, and one of the things that I have seen over the years is that you know, people will have come to me because of my blog where they're like, oh, you write about apprenticeships. What do you think about this? And it's, I work 60 hours a week. Uh, I don't get paid. Um, I'm hazed relentlessly and I haven't really learned much about piercing. What do you think? And it's like, I, I think, you know what I think, right? Like that's, that's whoever is quote unquote apprenticing you or quote unquote training you isn't actually fulfilling their end of the bargain. Uh, and so their motivation is, it, it, isn't pure and it doesn't, it doesn't, again, I don't think it needs to be entirely like I'm going to do this out of the kindness out of my, of my own heart. You can say like, Oh wow. You know, I want this person to be an employee at my shop. I think that's, it's fine to be real about that. However, if you're just like, I don't want to scrub my, my tattoo tubes because I'm the piercer and for whatever reason I have to scrub tattoo tubes. I, I think that's a bad reason to take on an apprentice. Agreed. And, uh, yeah, agreed fully. Uh, it, ah, oh, man, it's awful. I, I had a terrible apprenticeship. I, uh, I won't hide that fact. Um, the amount of time that I put in and grunt work and things that were taken advantage of was pretty terrible. Um, and I, I feel, I feel like there's starting to be a break in the cycle. Uh, where a lot of, uh, as the industry becomes more and more legitimized, I honestly feel that this hazing subculture is starting to become uh, more and more frowned upon. The people that actually care about the industry, care about the future of, of the industry itself, are less likely to have hazing and have uh, individuals just kind of menial labor. 
I, I, I really think that hopefully it's starting to phase itself out. Do you, do you see that more and more often, Jeff? I do. And I think, I think there's a lot of reasons why that might be the case. And, and part of it is that there's, uh, and we kind of have to thank the people that came before us for sort of setting a good example from educational point of view, right? Like I, Yes, there are a lot of bad apprenticeships, but like the sort of the when you think back to like the leaders uh, in the industry, they really made it clear that there was a lot to learn and uh, to be a piercer. And I think at this point, you're almost like if if you really take piercing seriously, you're thinking to yourself like I don't have time to make my apprentice gargle hot sauce. I have to train them to be excellent at customer service, flawless at health and safety. They need to know all these piercings, but they also need to know all this jewelry size. They need to know troubleshooting. There's just too much to learn. And, you know, if, if you don't have a lot to pass on, there's probably a lot of time for hazing, <laughs> right? In, yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that actually is an extremely valid point. Our, our industry is really, uh, I, I, I have spent a lot of time actually thinking about the careers of piercers and I have trouble imagining a job that requires you to be so good at so many different skills. Like I think maybe public school teacher is probably the only thing I can think of that's significantly harder, but you know, like just, just imagine if you were a, uh, you know, if, if you worked at a programming company, right, your job would be programming and you go in and you program, right? You wouldn't have to be an expert at social media, a photographer, uh, a, a shoulder to cry on for sensitive people. Like I just think of all the soft skills that piercers need to have in addition to the very strong, like, demonstrable health and safety and technical skills like it's a very challenging job and training somebody to do it well is a enormous undertaking that uh i think people take really seriously uh and you you can it, the difference between a piercer uh taking advantage of a trainee and a piercer that wants a real employee in the future it's becoming way more stark. Yeah. And it's, it's very clear when uh, I'm referring to shops and businesses as one, it's very clear when they actually invest in an individual and, and from being a, you know, piercer on this side, who's training someone else. That's also kind of scary because all of the, all of the instincts, all of the business skills, all of your methods, all of your madness are being installed into an individual. You're investing your time and energy into creating, you know, sculpting clay of uh, a new version of, you know, theoretically you. And it's kind of scary that some people may take that and then just leave. So it's, it's, yeah, it's one of those things. Like I, I honestly feel the more, the more likely you are to treat a, and I, I hate that I have to say this, the more likely that you are to treat a human being with dignity and respect in addition to trying to teach them a skill or a craft, uh, the more likely they are to stay. And of course, there's a few bad apples here and there. Um, 
but it, it's one of those things you kind of get what you give and so on and so forth. Sure. And, and and we all kind of have, I don't want to say we all some, you've had friends where they were, they were close or they were buddies and that went, that went really well. And your friends to this very day. And then you had friends that were more of a, like six months of hanging out and then whatever it, it fizzled out. Like that is life. Uh, that's, that's true of, a, of apprenticeships and it's true of employees. And I don't think, I don't think you can go into an apprenticeship with a, a whole bunch of walls up as, as the mentor, right? I think the safest bet is to go into it with the idea that like, I'm uh, first, I'm going to vet very well. I'm going to make sure that uh, this person isn't putting off a lot of red flags as far as their behavior. Uh, once I've vetted them well, I'm going to treat them with respect and dignity, and I'm going to expect the same in return. And that has typically gone very, very well for me personally. I can't guarantee that it's going to, it's the recipe for success. Um, but I think a lot of people are seeing that like, oh, wow, you know, I, I treated this person well. I paid them uh, appropriately. They stuck around. Yeah, absolutely. And and just to hammer what you just said, everyone is going to have different styles, different teaching methods, and different ways that they do things. By no means do we expect Jeff's word to be law. <laughs> it is just one person's unique perspective on the situation itself. Um, it it. I do agree with everything that you said. I I think it is just one of those things where it, it, who, okay, uh, I will be a little less professional than usual here. Like who the hell is going to stay at a shop where they make you scrub the bathroom floors with a toothbrush and they laugh and take pictures and post it on social media or make you eat a ghost pepper. These are all things that I had to do. Um, I mean, no one's going to want to stay there because in some situations, uh, mine, for example, I was in a situation where I was never going to leave that role and there was sure. no way for me to leave it. I was never going to progress one way or another. And it was unfortunate, you know, and I, and, you know, we're going to talk about it in a moment or two, but, you know, you have to make that decision where, you know, if, if there was so many conversations I had with the missus where, I was like, if they had just treated me a little better, I would have shown them. And she was like, but they don't. So leave, screw them. And just, and it's unfortunate. You know, I, I really, I really hope that, you know, our future keeps going the way that it's going and, and people are investing in individuals because I feel ultimately it's just going to benefit the industry in itself. I completely agree. And I do think that it, like I was saying before, and you know, right nowadays you put a lot more into an apprentice. And I yeah, think absolutely. A bit. So you know that thing where if you sell somebody an expensive piece of jewelry, they tend to take good care of their piercing. Yeah, absolutely. If you put a, a lot of sweat equity into an apprentice, you tend to value that apprentice, and you tend to say things like, "Hey, you know, I, I'm going to do the things that it takes to keep this apprentice around." Um, I and I don't want to make it seem like it. I've always had this right, or I was always perfect with it. Uh, I think I've learned a lot over the years. And, uh, but you know, the apprentice that I most recently trained, 
I let her know regularly, like we're investing in you. Let us know if you're uncomfortable financially, like we don't want you in that situation. There's no reason that you need to be living out of a car to be a piercer. Like, I don't think that's cutting your teeth. I think, you know, like if, if you're financially taken care of to the point where, uh, you're comfortable and you're comfortable enough to learn and be to work on time and, uh, you don't have to have two or three other jobs. Like that's worthwhile to me. Uh, And it was an investment. Uh, so I, I, and that's a change that I made in the past. My old apprentices um, would work counter and then they'd sort of volunteer their apprenticeship hours. And I, I, and I changed that policy. I don't think that's the way to go. Yeah. I also want to just chime in here. The sheer amount of telling someone that they are appreciated and you care for them goes miles. I, it's so sad nowadays that you don't hear that stuff more often. Where it's like, hey, I super appreciate your friendship or be like all the time it took you to do this. Like, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. I I, I almost and this is just me being an old man, like things are very thankless nowadays in my eyes. And I, I think that people undervalue that the amount of self-worth comments like that make or uh, comments like that give to an individual. And all it takes is a few seconds and it doesn't take anything out of your day, but it could really change someone else's. Sure. Absolutely. Having a sort of nurturing the relationship with your coworkers, I don't apprenticeship or no, your coworkers uh, is, is both good business, but it's also great for the morale of the business. And uh, it gives people an opportunity to let you know if they aren't doing well, Uh, because a lot of times that can solve problems before they happen. If someone feels like they're comfortable saying like, Hey, you know, like, Financially, I'm, it's it's not cutting it for me. Well, then you can prevent them jumping ship and going to a competitor. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people's concern. They don't want that happening. And like, I don't have a, a, a miracle cure for that. But the best thing I could say is treat them well, pay them well, and let the cards fall where they may. Yeah, that's that's a great way of putting it, Jeff. Keep the the conversation train moving, as and you can't see I'm making chug chug train noises because I have an infant. Um, but the next thing that I'm going to talk about is going to be for the individuals that are coming into our industry. They haven't had any part in it besides being, let's say, like a piercing like super fan, or are just looking for an apprenticeship because it's a question that we hear all the time. And we, we as piercers, I remember when my studio was up, I would get like two to three emails a week that is like, Hey, I'm thinking about becoming a body piercer. Do you take on apprentices? What, what I need to do and so on and so forth. And this is actually the main reason why I wanted you to be this week's guest, Jeff, is because you wrote that great article. Um, so why don't we go ahead and just, just start. So when we are looking at these individuals, when they send us the email, what are some things that you look for in an actual possible apprentice? Well, you know, it's funny that you bring it up uh, and, and you weren't in my class, but it's funny that you're asking the questions that I would have loved somebody in my class to have asked because we kept on asking these questions of ourselves to answer them. Isn't like email like literally the worst way to ask for an apprenticeship? Oh, God. It's you. Uh, no. Oh, 
I'm an old man. I'm I'm now old, like because I'm just like whippersnappers need to come in, introduce themselves, and say hello. Like email is the like email, text message, or messaging through apps is literally the absolute worst form of communication if you are trying to either a get something or b introduce yourself because nine times out of ten i'm like who the hell is this like whatever i'm not paying attention to it uh, couldn't be more right i and the thing is like uh so there uh, two two thoughts on that and the first thing is if you're waiting for the perfect candidate to know that in advance you're gonna have a bad time right because no yeah. one's ever gonna know that information in advance because and it uh, and I I don't presume to make it a generational thing. Um, I think it's one of those things where you're like, well, you know, they're busy at work. I don't want to bother them. Uh, uh, I I understand what the apprentice uh, the would be apprentice is thinking. However, if you if if they put themselves in our shoes, if we're like, hey, you know, this is a really well thought out email. I'm into giving you a career sight unseen, right? Like that's, this is not the way to do it. And that's one of the reasons that I wrote that, uh, that blog post was, Hey, uh, piercing apprentice, you're already getting it wrong. Right. Yeah. Like, like you need to, you need to be a customer of mine. I need to, I need to be able to recognize you when I see you. Um, and that's, that's a little bit of an investment of you making impression, you being sociable when you come in, you uh, being interested in the shop and our jewelry. There's a lot that goes into it that we're already looking for. So an email is like, and I'll be honest, like I might recognize somebody, but not know their, their first and last name, or it, it just, I can't put the two together when I get the email. Oh no, that's a that's a totally normal thing. Like at the at the farmers market, I am the guy in the cupcake shirt who always buys a vegan tamale for his baby. Like that's what he calls me. He's like, "Hey, cupcake baby guy." It's like, okay, <laughs> right? Like I I get it. Like I do. Uh so you know, coming in and t- introducing yourself and being like, "Hey, you know, you've pierced me four times. You remember this? You remember this? I'm really interested in piercing. What are your suggestions for becoming a piercer's apprentice?" Like, totally, totally great way to do it. Almost nobody's going to do it because it's too scary. It's really intimidating. Like, uh, one of the things I tell my employees, and this might be, like, just me uh, being a throwback to, like, the 90s, but do you remember when there was a cool record store in your area and you would go and you'd pick out a record and you'd go up to the absolute coolest person on the planet, which was the person ringing you out for the record. And uh, in my area, it was a guy named Jason Kendall. Uh, he was the singer for the Amazing Royal Crowns. Oh, and God, I love them so much. <laughs> Jason Kendall worked at a record shop called In Your Ear. It was right next door to the shop that I apprenticed at. And uh, just Kendall, like, would look at the records and ring you out. And, you know, you were just praying for, like, oh, this record's great, man. Like, that, that, it was, like, that person thinking what you were doing was cool. 
like you'd walk on walk on air for the next few days right uh it it's that sort of thing like that's what the piercer is to the person interested in piercing and we tend not to realize that we have that power over both their their lives but also their days right like you know when you shoot somebody down it's not shooting them down in a uh, uh like that can be crushing yeah, soul crushing it really can be right so you have you have like this big investment with their with their feelings like they want to do that through email right because if you tell them like no then they all right i can i can mope at home they don't have to see my body language they don't have to see me sulk back into my seat um however what what the would-be apprentice doesn't understand is that they're not they're less likely to get what they want because they haven't made that personal connection yeah absolutely and i i don't think it's a generational thing i think it's a technological thing uh where it and uh, like i know that i sound like a super old man even though i'm younger than you are like but it's just a thing where it's surprising. Like I hate talking on the phone. Like I hate it. Like I don't want to talk to you. That's fine. It, it seems honestly that a lot of folks are very nervous to possibly get rejected, to put themselves out there. And let's be real. Like when it comes to body piercing, like you have to be out there. Like you have to be uncomfortable in any situation. And I know that sounds like so cliche, but it's like, Hey, you're trusting me to pierce your genitals. Like I need you to take your pants off. Like, like you can't be go from, Hey, I want to be a piercer. What do I need to do in an email to being like, Hey, this is the situation we're in now. It's, it's a very, and I know that's the extremes, uh, but it's, it's just like one of the things that I want to point out because you know, it's not just our industry. Like a lot of people, no matter what it is, like are afraid of face-to-face communication. And unfortunately, the let's try this again. The <laughs> biggest thing, the biggest thing that I think that a lot of people are nervous about is once you say something, you can't delete it. So if it sounds dumb, it just comes out that way. And I more, I honestly, if anyone has listened to this podcast, like I say, like. 20,000 times. I cannot change it. I keep trying and I can't, but I still try to come across in a way that's educated despite the fact that I say this one thing 12,000 times. So I really think that if you take some time to develop those skills, it's actually going to benefit you longer in the piercing game because this is an industry where unfortunately being shy is really not going to benefit you at all. And more importantly, being professional, which by coming in, introducing yourselves and doing a little bit of fact finding will benefit you more greatly than writing an email. For sure. Yeah. Instagram post. (laughs) Instagram. Oh, yeah. One of the things that I was thinking of when you were uh, when you're saying that, because I I 100 percent agree, is that I think one of the soft skills that we're looking for is your ability to deal with whoever walks into the room, right? Because you don't get to pick your clients. The, who shows up is who shows up. So if that's why one of the parts of that original blog entry is like, here's a job for people who like people. 
I, and I 100% mean that if you were the sort of person that says those really cliche internet things like, oh, here's me pretending to like people or here's me hating people, you're going to have a real rough time as a body piercer because you have to find the fun and the common ground in every single client because I like if someone comes in to the shop and likes the same bands you do and picks out the same jewelry you would pick out for that piercing, like, yeah, I expect you to be able to make a connection with that person. That doesn't impress me, right? It's the person that you have nothing in common, right? When you're able to make a connection with that individual and give that person a spectacular experience, they're unimpressed, right? That's good bedside manner. That's absolutely really nailing it. And being afraid to talk to the person that you want to get an apprenticeship from is not a good sign. No, not, not in the slightest. It, it, yeah, you, you don't get to pick who you pierce. You're like, I'm not, I'm only doing bridges on cool dudes. Like that ain't happening. Like that's not happening. But like on the same note, you know, if a mom walks in, I can talk to her about like her vintage, you know, Louis Vuitton purse because I pay attention to when my wife tells me about them. And they're <laughs> like, oh, you know, purses. I'm like, hell yeah, I know purses. Let's talk about this. You know, it, it's it is one of those things where you have to find common ground with everyone. You already spoke about it previously. Some people may come in in an emotionally fragile state. And unfortunately, in this day and age, when something weird or awkward happens, a lot of people shut down. And you just can't be like, you're a weirdo. Like, that's not that's not a thing. So, yeah, I I agree with you. And I, I know that we're on the same wavelength for a lot of things, Jeff. But I do agree with you wholeheartedly in that. So to me personally, I think one of the things that I look for in regards to possibly picking an apprentice would actually be an interest in our industry itself. And I mean that in two different ways. One of the ways that I mean it is actively about our history of the industry. And then also uh, from a scientific type perspective, such as like anatomy, microbiology, uh, health and safety. So Jeff, do you, well, I'm not even going to ask you. I understand that you honestly think that history is a massively important part of this industry. So why don't you go ahead and talk a little bit about that? What's the best way to phrase this? I do think piercing history is really hard. Um, and, and not really hard, really kind of crucial to someone's understanding of what piercing is like today. However, one of the things that I don't like is when people beat up on piercers or uh, piercing fans for not quote unquote knowing their history because it's not necessarily the easiest stuff to find, right? It's so like, hard to find. Like it, I actively pursue it and nine times out of 10, I have to message someone and be like, can you explain this to me? Because I can't find anything about it. Yeah. Unfortunately, like the resources available today, um, uh, Sean Porter with sacred debris, uh, the body piercing archive, uh, Jim Ward's book. Uh, you still, you can get modern primitives. You can get Charles Gatewood's books. I think having a respect for where we came from, uh, is really important. But like, I've seen people be like, you don't know who Raylan Galena is? How dare you? And I understand it because I look up to her and I think she's amazing. But it's, it's 
really difficult to actually find information on Raylan. And uh, uh, it, it, that doesn't diminish her value or her importance to our industry. I just have trouble giving anybody a hard time for not, not necessarily knowing her name. Um, so when it comes to historical stuff, like I'd like you to be interested and I'd like you to be open to the suggestion that like, Hey, you, you, this is, this is worthwhile. Um, you also kind of need to have the critical skill, thinking skills to be able to like find an old a- issue of PFIQ and say like, Hey, you know what? I think the health and safety may not be up to date. Right? They're not yeah. wearing gloves, right? Like, they're, uh, they're not doing the things that I think a professional piercer in 2019 would do. Of course not. Doctors aren't doing the same thing they were doing 30, 40 years ago. Like all this stuff improves. Um, uh, and, and also I don't want you to think, uh, wow, Jim Ward's a total hack because he didn't wear gloves doing a PA in 1982. It's just like that do- dentists weren't wearing gloves. Like this was, this was how it's done, right? Like you, you really need to be able to sort of place things in their time and also appreciate that, that these folks didn't have the internet. A lot of what they learned was through correspondence. Like it's, it's kind of a fascinating thing to under, like imagine if today you knew nothing about piercing, you just knew that you had to pierce something. What would you do? Like, no internet, uh, no suppliers, no existing tools or materials. How would you make a nipple piercing happen? Right? It's like I, I hope I'm good at bullshitting. Like that's pretty much what you're walking into. You do the same things that Fakir or or Jim did if you were really good at it, right? <laughs> like, like if you had awesome, uh. uh uh, intuition you'd get there right but like there was a lot of mistakes along the way uh uh yeah i i, I don't want to belabor the point but like yeah no like know your history as best as you can and be open to the fact that there's a lot of stories that aren't told right like uh and and the more you can learn about that and the more you can appreciate it the the better you'll be yeah and that you know, you touch base on it. There is a little bit of like elitism, uh, you know, the know your roots. Like we like know this information, like you don't though. Those are the people that aren't really going to share it with you. Uh, you mentioned Sean Porter and sacred debris, like, um, them are, uh, excuse me, Sean and sacred debris. And then also like the body piercing archive, like they're actively working to make sure that information is available for people. Um, I strongly suggest, uh, you know, donating to either one of those if possible. Um, but it is one of those things where if someone's not going to share it with you, just keep hunting. Hopefully you can find that information. It's, it's kind of like, this is where I get like, how do I put this, Jeff? Uh, this is where I get like all alpha about it, but like someone could be like, you don't know about body piercing. Be like, could you tell me about Ignaz Samuelweiss? And they're like, who the hell is that? I'm like, he invented it. Like, he basically made it so hand washing was a thing that you should do. And they're like, oh, he doesn't matter. I'm like, oh, my God, my brain's going to explode and just pour out of my ears, you know. So it's it's just wild to me about what people consider important and what they criticize other people for not knowing. Because it's dumb. 
Like you should be happy that someone is asking about the history, like share the, share the love, like share that information. So it doesn't die and like fade away. Like they're actively searching it out. So maybe it is one of those things that like we should tell more people about. So Jeff, do you think that it's important to uh, have someone that comes into your studio asking for an apprenticeship to possibly have taken the initiative to do maybe let's say basic first aid or taken like an anatomy class? It's great. And that, that would be amazing. But um, first aid and anatomy are things that I could have somebody with like really good soft skills uh, do anyway. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. If someone comes through the door and I'm like, wow, the room is brighter because you're here. And uh, I'm not, not only am I excited to talk to you, but you know, those people that like you have conversation and uh, I'll say this is this of you. Like, I really enjoy talking with you. Right. Like if somebody leaves me with that feeling, right, where I'm just like, oh, my God, I love it when they come in. Like I can send them to an anatomy class. I can't teach that part. Yeah. Having those innate skills, I think, are super important. One, I also appreciate that. But two, like I've always described my personality as jolly fat guy. Uh, cause I'm like, Hey, like, how's it going? Like if, if I had a, like a guy with a bassoon walking behind me, like with each step, like it would fit in, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And I, I think a lot of people, um, I've always referred to them as mayor personas. Like when you talk to somebody, you're like, Oh, that guy could be a politician. You know? Um, I, I feel that that's something you, you know, you touched, you, you can't teach that. It, it's kind of like, some people have it and some people don't, and you can work on it and develop it over time. But there are some people that just, uh, and I'm not speaking of myself, but there are some people that just kind of have the, let's go with magic and I'm putting my hands up in the air sure. uh, that just kind of have that. Yeah. And, and, and it's, and it's great. It's wonderful to be around. Um, and I, I look for people like that uh, for sure. Uh, and, and, you know, in a way I feel like uh, there are certain people that are sitting there maybe listening to this podcast, like I want to, I want to ask the cool piercer down the street for an apprenticeship. They're like, but I'm not that. I don't, I don't want those people to get discouraged because I don't think the people that are that way know they're that way. Right. Case in point, I don't feel that I am that way either. Like I really don't. And I certainly don't feel like I'm that way. And the, my guess is if you asked all the people that I've apprenticed over the years, very few of them would be like, oh, that's exactly how I am. Billy would be an exception. Like he knows. He's oh, bad. yeah. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> uh, that, but that's just sort of the thing. Like, you know, you still, you still have to put yourself out there and be, be open to the thing. Like, you know, if the person you asked like, Hey, I don't think this is a job for you. You've never made eye contact with me. Like that's a bad sign. Right. Yeah. You don't, you don't have the soft skills. And, uh, I, I do think they can be developed for sure. Uh, doing, uh, any sort of public speaking, uh, um, you know, uh, I'm going to mention Rick free and try not to get choked up, but he was a big fan of Toastmasters. Uh, and I think that's a great way of developing um, uh, a confidence in the way you speak uh, and uh, comfort in public speaking because a lot of body piercing is public speaking. Yeah, 
I I remember having that conversation with Rick uh, in the past. Um, personally, I, I I know it's so weird, but I thank funeral directing because I did that before I was piercing. Uh, because there was no you get one shot to talk to a family like that's it. Like trial by fire. I mean, if you say something dumb, like you'll never do it again. But uh, it is one of those things where if you you know you put yourself out there and and try you know, a few things, it might actually be easier for you as time goes on. Sure. And I'm sure, like, I think the stakes are so much higher with something like funeral directing. So in a way, I feel like you, you, you got to start piercing on God mode, right? Like, yeah, right. <laughs> not, not fair. Uh, and actually, you know, it's funny. I have a really good friend that's a funeral director out in Colorado and, uh, he, he's one of the most fascinating people I've ever uh, gotten to speak with. And he, he, he's just, he's really good at making me feel welcomed and warm and comfortable. And uh, uh, those are things that like, you know, I, I, I hate to plug a, a hundred year old book, but like the, how to make friends and influence people. Like, it's like, he does all that. He asks you questions about you. He looks you in the eye. He, he, he does those things that are so critical that are actually kind of hard to do, but once you've got are really valuable. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And I, I know that book's ridiculous, but a lot of the things you're reading it, you're like, oh, wait, I should be doing that. So I, I understand, but um, – I'm going to be the stick in the mud here. I'm going to bring up a few things uh, that we, you might hear if you're, you know, uh, how do I put this? I'm going to bring up a few things that might discourage you from possibly trying to get an apprenticeship. Um, And just a, just a few of the big ones that you may hear that may discourage you. uh, And I'm going to see what you comment about them. Uh, The first one, Jeff, is going to be that the industry is oversaturated with piercers. Have you tried to get a guest piercer to fill in for you? <laughs> I have. I am like maybe piercing like two, three times a year. No, Period. no. And I'm no. still getting people to ask me to be like, hey, you think you can come out? And I'm like, no, no, baby. Like I cannot come out. The, the, no, the industry is not oversaturated. It, 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 it's the industry is. Uh, uh, first of all, I would say, like, if you were a younger generation piercer, I'm in awe of the type of thing that you, type of industry that you've had to grow up in, because you had to know so much more than I did when I first started piercing. Like, it's it's become harder to be a a borderline competent piercer. That yardstick has moved a lot. Yeah. Um, and all of your mistakes are just are on social media day one with people ready to jump down your throat, right? Like it is, uh, uh, it piercing is, is harder and than it's ever been, uh, because the standard for excellence is so much higher, so much higher, which is fantastic. This is good for everybody. This is really good. Um, and, I'm not saying this to be discouraging, like this is awesome, but uh, it's a, it's a big step. And a lot of times I'll see apprentices like doing work that I'm just like, Oh, you know what it reminds me of? What's that? Skateboarding. Oh God. That is, 
a perfect analogy. If you ever watch skateboarding from like 1998 and you're like, they thought this was great. And you look at what like 13 year olds are doing nowadays. You're just like, like it is mind blowing how much better people are at skateboarding. Like, like just like to even bother videotaping, you have to be what would be considered like the, the, a master of skateboarding and like you have to go to college for a film like right. it's crazy it, it it's unbelievable the difference and you know I'll, I'll still like i even though i never skated a day in my life i love old skateboarding videos like medic Mati's, like just one of my favorite skateboarding videos Dude, jump but, off a building by toy machine is forever my favorite so i i understand that was like 91 maybe i that's that might even be before my time i but like i love all that stuff but it's not impressive compared to what the local uh local amateur is at your skate shop down the street compared nowadays like and like those and it's not a technology thing it's just that i i think the industry moved there is always a want and a need for qualified uh, invested, excited piercers. Uh, and that will continue to be the case. Like people that really, really care about the experiences that they're giving people, uh, there are not enough of those piercers. And even though there are more piercers than ever, uh, there's still a need for good piercers. Uh, so this idea that the piercing scene is oversaturated, I, I, I completely disagree with. I think uh, the people that are coming up have a hard job, and it's a, a, a big ask to ask them to be able to, de- to deliver the kind of quality that a pierce that has 15, 20 years experience is delivering. Uh, but a lot of them do. Uh, and the more of those piercers there are, the better. Uh, so even if you might think like there's 10 shops on the street, like how many of them are good, right? Like probably one, maybe two, there needs to be more good piercers. As our industry grows, the stronger and more competent we become as a whole, we'll actually legitimize and make our industry stronger. Totally. And then I'm just going to go ahead and just talk about the like elephant in the room statement which is, I'll just go ahead and blatantly say it. If you are trying to become a body piercer to get into the industry so that you can hop over to tattooing, just don't do that. Like, it's it's not going to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I know people have done it. Uh, I've been tattooed by people have done it. it. We, like, in a weird way, like, it can work out. I just think it's, but it's Eight. so far and few between. And it's this just may be my perspective. Right. Yeah. But yeah, there's like maybe a handful. And then to it, it just seems like if you're going in, the the passion for piercing, and I'm, I'm going to kind of go off the rails here. To, to me personally, the passion and basically like energy between individuals for piercing, I think is a lot more intimate than tattooing. And the reason why I believe that is it's because it's it's just one-on-one. You're not in like a big room with a whole bunch of people for like multiple hours. And I, I, I honestly truly feel that 
they're two different monsters. So if you're if you're trying to become the master of both, it's probably not going to happen. But if you go into wanting to be a tattooer, it's probably a good idea to talk to fellow tattooers or take art classes or things like that. Whereas when it comes to piercing, like that's that's the thing that we're discussing about today. Does that does that make sense, Jeff? It does. Uh, And I I think you're right. Where the people that I know, which are the exception of the rule, and the people that I know that do both are the exception of the rule. Um, uh, In general. Uh, I think one of the reasons that people learn to pierce on their way to tattooing is because they work at a tattoo shop that thinks so little of piercing that it's below scrubbing tubes for the tattoo artist. Um, And that's a real bad sign. Like, I believe that there might be tattoo shops that are really, really good and offer piercing that's total trash uh and they do that because it's um another revenue stream it's another revenue stream where they think they get a lot of phone calls like oh god we're missing out on all this money but i don't i don't think there's a lot of shops that are really good at tattooing and also just offer piercing just for funds right like yeah mm, um i think the the best tattoo shops, uh, at least in the U.S., um, tend to focus on tattooing, uh, and they tend to take apprenticeships very seriously. Uh, I think the uh, and and I'm sure there's an exception to this rule, but I think if you're in a facility that offers piercing and tattooing, and there are a lot that do this do both at a high level, right? I'm not saying that's not possible, but where there is a distinct hierarchy where tattooing is a a really important skill that only a select few are are okay to do and piercing any, any idiot can manage like that's, I'm going to fully disagree with that perspective. And it feels, I hate to bring up skateboarding again, feels like a lot like the skateboarding rollerblading thing, right? Where you're just like, Oh, skateboarding's cool. Rollerblading's super stupid, right? So, like, you know, it. You may not like it, but both these things are both dangerous and involve a lot of skill to uh, do well. Uh, so, yeah, I, you know, I, I think if you're trying to be a tattooer, be a tattooer. Like, and if the shop makes you be a piercer in the way, like, eh, reconsider. But uh, it, that is a long, winding road. Uh, to to find yourself to the career that you want. I I don't know. It feels a lot like uh, if you were trying to become a dentist, like, and they were like, "All right, learn learn sculpture first. Like, it's just they're different things. Yeah, no, I that makes complete sense. It, it really is. It's it's two different monsters, and and you know, there's people that I'm friends with that can do both, and some people can. Like that's cool, good for you. But if you're if you're trying to use one door to get to the other, it's probably not going to work out for you. So that's that might be something that you strongly want to consider. Uh, right. What's and the if you're those people that has the passion for both? Like I'm into it. Like go for both. Like that's cool. But I don't know. I like I'm racking my brain. I don't know anybody, but maybe 
Now, I really don't know anybody that that loves and is passionate about both. Um, uh, you both for a living. I, I'm sure there's somebody. Alicia. Alicia. Uh, yeah, yeah. But she might be. She might be the the one. Right. I really think to, she's the first one that comes to my mind. Yeah, Adexa. Uh, I don't know if you know Adexa, black and blue tattoo in San Francisco. Uh, she's the. Uh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. The care intensives and did the branding class. Um, but she doesn't. She doesn't pierce anymore. She focuses on tattooing. Um, uh, at least I believe so. God, I'm going to feel bad if I'm wrong. With that. Um, well, you can always check while I'm editing in the next few days. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, but yeah, Alicia, yeah. But and there, there's not a lot. Like it's it's tough. It, it, like I, it is genuinely one of the toughest things I could imagine to be good at both. Deion Sanders, like, uh, being oh yeah, great at football and great at uh, at, at um, uh, baseball. Bo Jackson, like, there's only a couple of people that have pulled it off. It's tough. Yeah. Uh, who Michael Jordan filled the baseball, right? Technically, I don't know anything about sports. I mean, it's he, not. He's not a, rugby or a hockey. Really, really, really big gambler. So, oh he, yeah, maybe two yeah. sports there. Yeah, that's a gamble. All right. Anyways, uh, off that bad dad joke. Uh, let's talk about the last part. So, uh, the last thing that I just want to bring up is going to be actually changing apprenticeships. Since conference just showed up. A lot of people may start to think and doubt the situations that they're in because you're presented with all this overwhelming love and information and listening to other individuals that are also your peers in this industry and make it back and realize that your situation may not be exactly what you want to be into. And that's the reason why we took a little bit of a break between conference and this episode is because I wanted to give enough people a little bit of time to digest before we go ahead and bring up something that's going to make you start thinking about a whole bunch of other things. So, uh, Jeff, what do you feel about that situation? Well, I'm, there's two sides of the coin, right? I mean, one of the things we talked about earlier was uh, doing some of the grunt work. And I'm not against an apprentice uh, cutting their teeth, right? Like, I, th I think there's an element to that. And a lot of it is uh, uh, the the best way I can put it is if you ever seen the original kid, right? Like, Mr. Miyagi makes you wash, uh, wax the cars, right? And it's, yeah. it's not just because he wants the cars waxed. It's because he's teaching you important skills about form, right? Like, you, there are jobs to be done in the pro in, in the process of an apprenticeship that are important to learn, and one of the best ways to learn them is to do them. Um, so don't get the idea that just because you're doing basic work, your apprenticeship's terrible, right? Uh, however. Also recognize when you're in a situation not necessarily healthy, right? And right. Uh, like for example, you're talking about eating the ghost pepper, right? Yeah. I have seen examples of that where it was fun shop after hour stuff, right? It's not necessarily hazing. There's this element of intent, 
Um, and there's also this element of uh, communication between the piercer and whoever charge of their their education right where if you're if if the piercer were, or the apprentice were to go to the person in charge of their education and say hey i i i really don't want to do this stuff uh in terms of like like the fun ghost pepper challenge or whatever like that i i think there's got to be room for that person to be like oh god yeah of course you know you don't have to do this we're just having fun right like that's it was a fun day. Like we, tr- we tried this, like uh, a lot of my um, employees and I had actually done the, uh, uh, the last dab. Um, hot oh lunch yeah. Challenge. Right. And it's not a hazing thing. It's like, a, this is fun. Um, but I'm also not demanding anyone do it or they lose their job or they lose their apprenticeship. Yeah. That's a thing where it's like, well, you can either do this or you can just go home and you're like, well, mm-hmm. shit, what am I going to do? There, 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 there is a difference in, uh, like, I, I would hate to give people in that situation the idea that a loving and educational um, uh, apprenticeship experience wasn't that just because there was this fun element to it. However, you really do need to kind of look at those things. And one of the things that we didn't discuss, what, and I think is really, really important, is something you brought up where you were permanently in the role of apprentice, right? There was no end game. Part of that is that if there was no end game, that means there was no plan and there was no goals for the apprentice to achieve. You, You should be able to demonstrate achievement every step of the way. And part of that is through documentation. Like I have observed 200 piercings. I have observed... Like you don't want to get to the date, the first day of your shift piercing and say, actually, I've never ever seen a rook piercing done. It just didn't work out that that, right? You should be able to document like, hey, I've seen a rook piercing done and I've done one under observation like that. That sort of documentation is really big. So it's things like that, like the apprenticeship has to have goals and you have to achieve those as long as you're doing that, you're going to be okay. Like that's a good example of a good apprenticeship. Uh, and there always is going to be this grass is greener thing where you're like, Oh, this other person doesn't have to take out the trash. Like that's, that, you know, that's uh, different than being hazed or not learning how to pierce. Yeah. And that's, that's a big thing too. I, I want to make sure that I stress to everyone. If you're an apprenticeship, or in an apprenticeship, excuse me. And the individual who's asking tasks of you would not do those tasks. There's something wrong going on. I would never ask anyone to do anything else for me that I would not be willing to or have done in the past. It's one of those things like, oh, I don't take out the trash. Be like, you're a pig man. Like, take out the trash. Like, it's... it's, it's baffling to me how little things like that, that people perceive that they're higher than or better than individuals is really detrimental to having a healthy apprenticeship. Right. But on the other hand, like uh, if you're in a shop that does reprocessing, right, learning how to reprocess and then doing that regularly has a lot of value, right? That is learning. Uh, it, It should be done 
with a lot of attention at first where the uh, the person training you uh, is making sure there's no cross-contamination, is making sure that you're not at risk. But you can imagine an apprenticeship where the, the apprentice didn't learn how to reprocess tools and then is expected to reprocess tools. That's not a complete apprenticeship. And that's important. Now, if you're in a shop that doesn't reprocess tools, awesome. <laughs> Just throw those things out. That's great. But uh, if you are in a shop that reprocesses tools, you have to have the experience. And you get a lot of value out of doing that regularly. No, all all those things make sense. And I, it is one of those things where I think sometimes it may be worth risking and finding a new location. But honestly, you should really, really take some time before you do drastic jumps like that. Sure. Yeah, I think, uh, and this is the the troubling part is that having community support isn't necessarily uh, an apprentice's strong suit. Um, but it'd be nice to be able to talk to other apprentices or uh, other peers to say, like, "Hey, I'm having to do this. Is this appropriate?" To give you some sort of perspective, it's really worthwhile. Um, one of the things that's listed in the APP apprenticeship guidelines uh, curriculum is that two piercers that don't work at the same shop as the mentor have to write letters of recommendation for that mentor to the apprentice. And one of the things that I like about that is that let's say you're in a situation where you're like, I don't actually know if this is appropriate you could call or email or write a letter uh, to the person that wrote the letter of recommendation and say like, Hey, is this, is this sort of behavior appropriate? And that person can be involved, right? It's involved the community. Uh, they, they could say like, Hey, you know, not only is this not appropriate, but I'm, I'm going to make a phone call to your mentor about this because something's not right. Um, or, they could say like, yeah, absolutely. This is this is part of learning. Like you're you're in a normal, healthy, appropriate apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the things, like part of the things about like keeping on learning, um, in certain states, the term apprenticeship is pretty specific. Uh, in certain states, you uh, like as, as much as we colloquially. I'm, I'm going to use the word incorrectly. Colloquially, am I saying it wrong? No, I think that's right. Maybe um, I'm terrible at pronouncing things. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's not coming out right. But uh, we'll call things an apprenticeship. They're more piercer training, um, and uh, the term apprenticeship might be reserved for really specific industries like uh, uh, electrician and things like that. And there'll be very specific guidelines for that. So. Uh, if you're in one of the states, you, you, the, it's up to the mentor in the shop to sort of realize, like, hey, we're going to refer to this as piercer training, not apprenticeship, because apprenticeship involves the following statutes in this particular state. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. The language I, of it is weirdly important. I know that it sounds weird, but like possibly like doing things like that feels like a milestone. So you kind of like, boop, boop. Like it's not an upgrade, but it could, you know, 
make someone feel better. Going back to what we discussed about, you know, the little things that can really improve or like demoralize people. Sure. It's just one of the things that I just wanted to say in regards to this episode, because um, there's a lot of taboo around talking about apprenticeships and what we went through and what someone may go in the future. So I, I really want to thank you for uh, taking your time this evening to speak with us, Jeff, and just kind of let us know your two cents on everything. I really think that this can help a large potential of people because now there are, now that we've put things into the open, it's up to them to take them and interpret and maybe self-reflect on themselves uh, before they send in that apprenticeship letter or before they get worried about something that we touch base on. So yeah, Jeff, uh, thank you once again. I really appreciate it. But uh, why don't you go ahead and just take us out by letting us know where you're located and all the other fun things that you've done in the past uh, so that uh, people can come visit you in person, like following you on social media and all those other things. Thanks, Will. Uh, you can reach me on most social media by at Gamma Piercing. Uh, my website is uh, gammapiercing.com. Uh, my blog is uh, jeffsaunders.com. That's Jeff with one F. Or if it's easier, piercingnerd.com. Uh, you want to train with me? Um, I teach classes every once in a while, but I'm regularly at the Fakir Intensives, uh, uh, fakir.org. Uh, I encourage uh, existing piercers to do the comprehensive class, uh, would-be piercers to do the basic class, uh, existing piercers to do the basic class. It's a fantastic class. I think you'd like it. Um, don't be afraid of that word basic. Uh, if you're not an APP and you're interested, I'm happy to answer your questions. Uh, I was membership liaison. Uh, I'm currently PR coordinator. Uh, the more people that join the APP, uh, the better. And it is part of my responsibilities as a board member to help you become a member. Uh, I I would love to answer your questions and help you uh, make your piercing shop safer. Cool. And I think that's about it. Yeah. I would follow Jeff. Uh, his adventures are super fun. Before we actually started uh, talking about this episode, he is currently brewing beer. So it's nice to watch uh, another, how to, I lovingly say this, Jeff, another nerd take on another hobby. Okay. So it's it's very interesting to see. Uh, from start to finish, how you do everything. So yeah, follow him for great piercings. Visit him and his absolutely wonderful wife uh, at Gamma Piercing. And uh, aside from that, uh, we'll link everything in this week's show notes. But uh, thanks for coming on, Jeff. And uh, hopefully uh, the next batch comes out really good and I get to see you soon. Yeah, absolutely. Give the family a big hug for me. And, uh, hope, to talk to you, hope to talk to you soon. Yeah, I absolutely. Why, why my words are escaping me right now. I'm in the same boat too. It's late. <laughs> Whew. There it is. The episode that has been requested the most. I'm glad to have taken the time to create an episode with someone that cares about the industry as much as I do. Now there's a good amount of information in this episode, but also don't forget to visit Jeff's blog and read the article he wrote on apprenticeships. I really hope we covered all the questions that many folks have. But if we didn't, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at Real Talk or to Jeff. I truly appreciate him taking time out of his busy work schedule and life with his family to talk to us. You can find links for him, his blog, and his company in this week's show notes. Please take some time to follow them 
and his endeavors, or better yet, visit him at his place of employment. In other news, I'm really sorry about the delay of this episode. My intention was to make it come out after a few weeks of conference. Sadly, I had some very difficult things come up with my family. Hades Von Doom, my puppy of almost 14 years, had to have surgery and then the day after managed to rip out his stitches, which resulted in another trip to the emergency room. So yeah, we're still waiting for test results, but until then, he's just resting and relaxing currently, and we're hoping for the best. We should be back on track after this episode. As always, I want to thank all you wonderful folks for liking, listening, and subscribing to the podcast, especially all of you that have left reviews on iTunes and the Google Play Store. This is how the podcast continues to grow, and it's seriously amazing seeing how many listens we get on each episode. If you want to help us out by doing more than just listening, consider joining our Patreon. We have some really awesome things lined up as rewards that I can't talk about yet, but we'll be able to share the details next episode. If you want to join that community, head over to patreon.com slash realtalkpiercingpodcast. As many of you already know, this podcast is a labor of love. I do this because I want to help the industry and create talking points and discussions. This is not something I do for a living. Would that be an awesome living? Absolutely. But that probably is never going to happen. The sponsorships that we have allow us to upgrade equipment and pay for hosting fees and software. Without them, the cost for all of this together would be a heavy burden. I truly thank them for their continued support of our podcast and their commitment in ensuring the quality and the content episode after episode. I would like not only to thank our first sponsor, Jewelry This Way, but congratulate them on the best small booth from conference. I teased about this booth last episode, and their hillbilly-themed booth was amazing. Jewelry This Way is a gold-only jewelry company that offers handmade jewelry made in good old Tennessee. The jewelry is made by piercers for piercers, paying attention to the detail that we all look for. Their zero turnaround time showing of current stock levels means if you order it, you'll get it in the next few days because they only list the stock they currently have. Jewelry This Way has decided to give our listeners 5% off their next order with the discount code REALTALK. So visit JewelryThisWay.com and use the discount code REALTALK for 5% off today. Since 2004, Punk Medics has been on the cutting edge for tattoo and piercing aftercare for the body modification industry using only natural botanical ingredients. Not only are their products premium quality in every sense of the word, but they also strive to use sustainable ingredients and have a minimal carbon footprint. With summer and warm weather approaching, making sure that tattoos, both new and old, stay moisturized is key. One issue that I have is that lots of other lotions are heavy and can clog my pores. Punk Medics makes a product called Simple Shield that nourishes and hydrates but also protects the skin at the same time. It is my go-to during these hot summer months. To check out this amazing company and its line of organic piercing and tattoo products, visit punkmedics.com to order directly or use their handy store locator to find the nearest shop by you. Our final sponsor for this week's episode is from our California family, Amory Body Arts. Amory is owned by the amazing team of Adam and Shelby Richens. They're committed to providing the safest, friendliest, and most professional piercing environment in Santa Cruz. Their staff is the only people I trust in Southern California to send clients and listeners to, but not only is their staff top-notch, so is their massive jewelry selection. For all your piercing and jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. Give them a follow on social media under Amory Body Arts. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, realtalkapiercingpodcast.com.
To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.